Okay, welcome aboard, everybody. This is Friday the 13th, and we've already had some lovely Friday the 13th stuff going on this morning, but let's talk about Byron Buxton. So, Lenny and I are going up to orientation because Mark recently transferred from Brockport to Oswego, which is like pretty close to Brockport, but somewhat close to Rochester. And I was kind of looking forward to going up to Rochester and just giving shit to Byron Buxton because he just makes me so angry. I can't even do that now. Last night he came out with another injury. No good. It's no good, this guy. I'm giving up on him. I'm done for the year. I'm done. And you know what? Here's the thing. I will never draft this guy again, and I don't know if I'll continue to, like, hate him forever, but... I'm not going to draft him. I will just trade for him. This is the best brilliant idea that you could possibly have in regards to Byron Buxton. Just wait till his owner gets so pissed off at him, like myself, and offer him, like, Zach Britton or something for Machado. Um, for, uh, <laughs> I got Machado on the brain. Offer him Zach Britton for Buxton and see what you can get out of it. Yeah, and, you know, I have Buxton in a number of places, and I just, um, I'm fed up myself. Now, I do have some leagues where, you know, he's a minor league eligible now. Obviously, he was on the DL. I still can't bring myself to drop him. But, man, oh, man, what a bust. Dude, he's so bad. He's useless, totally useless. Let's talk about somebody that is useful, though. And this would be another piece of news that we have going on. Paxton, the all-too-often-injured James Paxton comes out of the game last night with lower back stiffness. So we just know, like, whenever you see this happening to Paxton, you're just cringe because this guy is, like I said, all too often on the injured side of things. You have to hope that it's only the minimum 10-day DL type thing. Uh, having the all-star break, I mean, is possible. He really doesn't have to miss a start. If you, you know, put him on the DL today, let's say three days, all-star break, the weekend, he could technically be back the first full week of games again. So, uh, But with the back, as you know, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Clayton Kershaw's back issues, but with the back, you really just never know. Yeah, you really don't. So today we're going to talk about the trade landscape. First, the Yankees. But why did everybody send all the players to the Yankees? Like, when in doubt, send the player to the Yankees. Why Why is this, do you think, Lou? It sells headlines. The media loves to put teams, uh, players on the Yankees, uh, whether it's going to happen or not, because without being able to trade people to the Yankees, people don't pay attention as much. The second that someone's going to the Yankees, other teams get involved. It just seems to be part of the um, the landscape of baseball nowadays. And obviously, you know, if there's a player going, rumored to go to Boston, the Yankees jump in. If there's a team or a player that's going to be traded to the Yankees, the Red Sox jump in. And then when those two jump in, uh, a team like the Indians and the Astros this year will jump in because they're all competing in the American League. It's just it's just the easiest way to um, to kind of maybe boost a, a, the trade value of somebody, especially now. It was already being done, but with the Yankees having such a far, uh, strong farm system now, too, it's like, oh, well, if the Yankees are involved, we're going to have to up our offer because we know they can offer a lot. So basically, the Yankees are just clickbait, basically. And and they do, I think that you're right about the fact that they up a, a player value when they're rumored to be going to the Yankees. And amazing as that sounds, I do think there's some truth to it. We're going to talk about the Yankees first. And what do you think their chances of getting Machado? But before you answer that, I have to say that yesterday in Chatter, I talked about uh, this Instagram post where it showed Manny Machado in a Yankees uniform. And he actually liked it with his own personal Instagram account. 
verified, liked himself in Yankees uniform. I just don't see the fit here. But and, and like we said, I mean, Machado going to the Yankees, I'm sure they're somewhat interested. But do they even have a spot for this guy? I mean, really? Yeah, they'll make a spot for Machado. But what does that mean for Andahar? Um, or Anduhar, as they like to say. Um, what does that really mean for him? Because he's been, obviously he's not Machado, but he's been really good uh, for the Yankees. And I know they've worked him out at first base previously, but Greg Bird finally is starting to hit now too. So you bring in Machado, you put him at third base, let's say. Does that mean Andahar goes back to the minors? Does that mean that he platoons at first base with Greg Bird? Maybe, I know when there's a lefty on the mound, Stanton is in the outfield with Judge, so maybe that opens up the D8 spot for Andahar or Bird type of thing. So I think they could make it work, but I'm not sure that adding Machado puts them over the top. It's not like they need more offense right now. I think we all know they need starting pitching. Yeah, I think that you nailed it with the Greg Bird thing. I think that the fact that Greg Bird is finally starting to hit really puts them in a position where they don't even need to consider Machado, and they definitely do need some pitching. Now let's talk about Aroldis Chapman. So the other day, um, or yesterday, I was reading that Aaron Boone was sitting down with Chapman before the game, talking to him about his um, ten- does he have tendonitis or arthritis or something in his knee, and it depends on what headline you're reading, whether or not they feel um, pretty worried about a role as Chapman. So they know, we know that the Yankees are among some teams interested in Zach Britton. And I don't know why, but um, that, I don't know why Zach Britton, but he, they've also talked. Well, to, that's because they don't want the Red Sox to get him. Isn't that funny though? This is going to, we're going to say that for a couple of, players as we go along here today we're definitely going to be saying that exact sentence a couple times just some teams are interested in players just so that their rivals don't get them but they are interested also in Brad Hand Um, I think that it's not really well according to John Heyman the concern isn't about Aroldis Chapman's health as much as it is to add another lefty do you believe that I do because I've watched Chase and Sheree for a few years with the Yankees and he just is not reliable. And the Yankees, unlike, you know, some of the smarter teams out there, are very strict with their bullpen rules. They don't use an effector, so to speak. They won't bring in Chapman in the seventh inning, let's say, bases loaded versus a tough lefty or even in the eighth. They save him for the ninth. So they are it would make sense to upgrade at the left handed relievers position where you can bring a guy in like Brynn in a tougher situation um, and kind of use him in between using Patantis and Robertson in the later innings. So I, it does make sense. Um, I don't think it's complete BS, but I don't think that Brynn necessarily is the answer either. But you look at the landscape of the starting pitchers that are available, we'll get into it. None of them are really difference makers to me, unless it's maybe a DeGrom or Syndergaard, but I'm not even sure those guys are going to get moved anyways, and specifically not to the Yankees. The Mets aren't trading to the Yankees. Well, I mean, I don't know. I know it's been a long time since the Yankees and the Mets made a trade, but, you know, for the right price, anybody's for sale, and that's the truth. Um you know, they do need another lefty bullpen guy, but is it that necessary? I think that their biggest concern would be starting pitcher. And you're right, there's not a ton available on the trade block, like as far as we've read. But half of this stuff, you know, there's going to be players traded that we never even brought up their name. And there are rumors out there that the Yankees are willing to part with Sonny Gray because they don't think that he is good. And obviously, they just don't think he's a good fit. He's not, hasn't been very good at Yankee Stadium. Some, 
have been saying that he's just not a good fit in New York. So while we're all talking about the Yankees getting a starting pitcher, we're still talking about the Yankees getting giving up a starting pitcher in Sonny Gray. Um, I also see that they're interested. They've um, inquired about J.A. Happ, Cole Hamels. I, I just don't see that Cole Hamels go in there. Cole Hamels, to me, is a great fit for Philly, who is another team that needs a, a pitcher. Oh, yeah, the, the Phillies really need one. I think the Brewers would be a great fit for Cole Hamels as well. Um, somewhere in the NL to me. Um, and I think Lenny just put something up here with um, with Michael Fulmer. And that's what I was going to say. If you're going to trade Sonny Gray, I think trading Sonny Gray with additional prospect pieces to Detroit for Fulmer could get a deal done because of the fact that Gray is still controllable. And quite frankly, I think he'd fit in very well in Detroit, a big ballpark, much less media attention, um, fairly similar to what the situation was in Oakland. I don't know. I mean, I think that both – well, Cole Hamels is a better – to me, he's a better fit because he's a lefty. Michael Fulmer not being a lefty um, doesn't really help. Like, I don't know. Cole Hamels is a perfect fit for Philly, but I don't know. Do the Yankees need a lefty starter? To me, they have one in CC who I like. The only reason why – the Yankees would want another lefty is if they're worried just about beating the Red Sox because the Red Sox have actually struggled first lefties this year. Uh, I don't think it's lefty or righty that they need. I think it's more so um, just a reliable starting pitcher that they need. And um, obviously everyone loves Severino, even though he you know, wasn't great last night. The Yankees did get that win versus the Indians. Tanaka, you never know. I mean, last year in the postseason, he was incredible. Um, I don't think adding Hap, let's say, or Hamels necessarily makes them better. I don't necessarily think that either of those guys would be able to pitch that well for the Yankees. I don't think it gives them a big enough upgrade. So do you think they're going to invest in a reliever rather than a starter? or I think they will end up going with a reliever, if anything. I think they'll just try and shorten the game even more. And I don't really trust Knock or CeCe, let's say, going past five innings anyway. If you can get five quality innings out of those guys in a playoff series or a playoff game and then hand the ball to any sort of combination of green, let's say Britain, for instance, or hand um, Robertson, Patances, and Chapman. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat them. So insiders in San Diego say that Brad Hand isn't going anywhere. They say that Brad Hand is uh, owned for the next several years at a relatively fair price and that the San Diego Padres actually do believe that they can compete next year and the year after that. So getting rid of hand would not help that case at all. I also agree with that. Brandon Drury is too good to be down in the minors. He could be a trade candidate. And they have Tyler Wade as a spare infielder. They have Ronald Torres as a spare infielder that could also draw interest. So I guess, you know, finding the perfect fit here is not necessarily based on all the rumors that are going around, but more so like trade needs and payroll. I always look at payroll right now because payroll is a big deal. The Yankees are actually going to be under the tax threshold for the first time maybe ever. Yeah, it's quite possible. Maybe ever. You're right. And I agree with you when it comes to Brad Hand as well. I think the only way the Padres would even be able to remotely consider parting with him is if they could maybe get a similar return to what the Yankees got when they traded Andrew Miller in 2016. I think if they could get like a, a, a top pitching prospect, a top offensive prospect, and another nice bullpen piece or whatever it might be, I think that it might be worth making that trade. But if they don't get a similar offer to what the Yankees got from the Indians in that Miller trade, I think they certainly need to stand pat with hand. 
What about Bryce Harper working out at first base and everybody in Yankeeville and all around the whole damn clickbait world is saying that the Bryce Harper is working out at first base because he wants to go to the Yankees. Well, the Yankees don't need him at first base now that Greg Bird is doing well. And that, that's why I, that's another reason why I say Greg Bird doing well is a big deal to the Yankees and what they're going to do. And, you know, we'll have an influence on how they act at this trade deadline. There's that, but I mean, Greg Bird can be hitting as well as he wants. He's, you know, one weird movement away from being injured for another two months because he's incredibly <laughs> fragile. Yeah. Um, I don't think Harper playing first base means anything, but I do think that Harper could be a very interesting possible August trade candidate because the Nationals are still, you know, they're, they're playing a little better lately, but it's not like they're a lock to make the postseason. If they find themselves, you know, five, maybe six games out of a playoff spot come the end of August, trading Bryce Harper might actually be a very good idea for them if they really don't think they can re-sign him. Very true, but I don't know if they've accepted the fact that they can't re-sign him or even question whether they can't re-sign him. They have money, you know, they definitely have money. They're not broke. Francesa, Mike Francesa on the fan sports talk radio here was talking about contracts the other day and one of the contracts was chris davis from the baltimore orioles talking about his contract literally goes through 2022 he's getting paid in total 23 million a year through 2022 but he's only taking 17 million of that 23 million putting the rest off so that after 2022 he's still going to get paid for another 14 years he'll get paid like a I don't know a couple million a year because all of this extra money that he's putting aside for later in his career but that's just interesting because from Mike Francesa I decided I was going to look at Chris Davis's contract he was talking about the contracts of uh, Miguel Cabrera is the big one that came up after we took after he talked about Chris Davis and how bad that contract is with the Orioles. But Miguel Cabrera signed an eight-year contract when he was like 30-something years. You know, he's 35 right now. He's in like the third year of his contract. The reason that I bring this up is because Miggy uh, is already broken down, basically has three home runs on the season and like less than 100 at-bats. So I think that after what has happened over the last few years, I mean, it's just becoming so obvious that teams cannot be offering these contracts to these players like this. I mean, uh, Lenny was saying that uh, people are talking about $400 million going to Harper. Any team that gives a guy $400 million is out of their freaking mind, okay? Because you're going to have to think that's going to be at least a 10-year contract. I just don't – I think that's a little outrageous. I would say more like, you know, the upside – I mean, the high side of the – contract that will be given to Bryce Harper it it really could be as low as like I, I would say about 250 million is the, is is uh is the most you can ask for and Lenny thinks that Bryce Harper is going to be the first one that really shows everybody that people have changed their mindset teams have changed their mindset as far as how long they're going to sign these young these players no matter how young they are I mean you just can't you just can't uh commit yourself to a player especially if they're close to 30, you know? I think I agree with you, but also I think that somewhere in the six to seven year range is about as high as I would be willing to go on any player at this point. Even if the guy hits free agency at 26 or 27 years old, I'm not sure I want him signed long-term past the age of 34 or so anyways. Um, and I think you're right. I think we can go back to even as far as the Albert Pujols contract. And I mean, Pujols still hits home runs, um, you know, drives in a number of runs, but he's certainly not earning the contract he got years ago from the Angels 
either. Um, and I mean, he's he at least has done something. Yeah. I mean, you look at Chris Davis, obviously, who's doing literally nothing at this point. <laughs> it's, um, it's like when you sign a player to a long-term contract like that, it's like they immediately just suck. I mean, you can look at the Robinson Cano contract for the Mariners. I mean, he has been productive outside of obviously this season with the whole uh, PED situation, but they're locked into this guy for a lot of money for a number of years remaining, and he's certainly not getting any younger. They have a very capable second baseman now with D. Gordon, and it's a lot easier to find an outfielder, whether it be on the trade market or in free agency, to put in center field. I mean, I don't think they have much of, and I know it might sound crazy, but I don't think they need Cano and now they're locked into him for all this money and all these years, and he's only getting older. Yeah, I mean, you have to take into consideration that at any day, these players can get injured, especially pitchers. I mean, look at David Price. Here's another bad contract that we got going on. Um, Giancarlo Stanton isn't going to be fun for you Yankee fans either. It's just not going to be fun. And uh, so Francesca was basically saying that outside of Mike Trout, he wouldn't give anybody in baseball a more than four years and I kind of tend to agree with him he said the most he'd give Trout is six years I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens after this season remember for the last couple years we've been like yeah I mean 2018 free agency is going to be unbelievable you got Clayton Kershaw you got these other players that are going to hit free agency that are just uh have been in baseball's top players but Kershaw's not going to get anywhere near what he was going to get at the beginning of last season no, he won't. And let me ask you this. So right now we're seeing guys make up words of, what, 27 to $30 million, um, for, you know, six, seven, eight years maybe. If they were to make it maybe four or five years, do you think that average annual salary would remain? Or do you think it could go up to like 35 or $37 million per year? Teams will overpay per year, but to ensure themselves down the road that they're only locked into it for four or five years. I think that what we're going to start seeing, and this is just my personal opinion that I came up with just as you asked me the question, so I think that what we're going to start seeing is more players doing the deferring of money. Like, So, yeah, I think that the yearly salary is going to go up. I think that players are going to only take a percentage of that salary as of now so that they can continue to get paid long-term even if they're not playing. Because with Chris Davis, he's going to get paid till 2030-something, 20. Uh, from 2023 to 2037 is his is what he's going to get paid in deferments from what he's not collecting now. So he's like set himself up. And these players, one of the biggest things that Cano wanted was long term. He wants to get paid for more years, right? So in order to do that, yeah, the money per year is probably going to go up a little bit. But teams are going to be a lot less. Uh, it's going to hurt teams a lot less because I think that. I don't know. If they defer payments like I think they might, then the teams are still going to be on the hook for that money anyway. But I think that they pay that money up front, and then the money goes into an account so that they have it to pay. It's not going to be like 10 years after Chris Davis stops playing, he's going to continue to be costing them money. I think – I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I do think we're going to see changing in the number of long-term contracts and the amount of money that they're worth. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like much about the NBA, but the one thing I do like is what they're doing right now with some of their contracts. I mean, you look at LeBron James, and I know he's the elite of the elite in um, in the NBA, but he signed a massive deal, I think somewhere around $150 million, but it's over four years. So, yeah, it's a ton of money. We're talking, you know, close to $40 million a year, but it's at least manageable because it's only over a four-year span. 
Yes, totally. I'm just catching up in the chat room because, you know, I, I knew that this was going to be a, a hot topic in the chat room, so I'm glad that we chose to do this. Let's move on. We're only on our first team, okay? Let's move on. <laughs> okay, the Indians. Um, so they're interested in Manny Machado, too. The Indians are obviously worth – I mean, I, I don't see them doing a lot. I just don't see them making – The a- Indians only focus, Andrea, and we can all – agree is they need bullpen not only is their bullpen era the worst in major league baseball but it was evident last night that they pushed kluber too far in that game in a tie game in the seventh eighth inning because they couldn't rely on their bullpen they could they had to let him go around 120 pitches because they didn't trust their bullpen to secure the lead for them and they pushed Kluber too far and the Yankees ended up scoring off him later in the game um, rather than potentially having to face a fresh pitcher so the bullpen is an issue whether they're in there or they're not being used they're either in there and they're blowing games or you're pushing your starter too far because you don't trust your bullpen so yeah they need bullpen help and they need it fast because they have the starting pitching they have a great lineup they need bullpen and we know they're going to make the playoffs because no one's going to beat them in the central anyway so at this point their only focus should be improving their team for when they get to the postseason so you think bullpen andrew miller is is uh, set to come back right after the uh... andrew miller's fine but he's not enough okay all right I... and andrew miller's a great piece they need at least two more pieces though maybe another lefty and another right as well so lefties are of uh, a big this is why everybody is zach Britton a lefty Mr. Britton is a lefty, yeah. yeah and he the, throws like nine, 97 or 98 with his uh, sinker when he's right. He's Pretty much when he's right, he's almost untouchable because you can't get on top of a 97, 98 mile per hour sinker. It's next to impossible. I don't trust him one bit. I really don't. Um, I, I He's been good lately. He came off the DL really shaky, but his last six or seven appearances, he's looked right again. Um, you have to remember that before you know the injury issues, and many of them happened off-field, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was the best relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. I'm not saying he's going to get back to that, but the velocity's back, the movement's back. Um, I would definitely be willing to take a shot on this guy for two months. So, yeah, I mean, he's super hot on the trade rumor block right now. I mean, he's, he is getting better. He was horrible coming off that injury, like you said. But he has pitched five scoreless innings. Um, his He's got a 66.7% ground ball rate, um, four strikeouts and a walk in those five scoreless innings. Um, he's thrown a first pitch strike to 41% of uh, the hitters that he's faced, but his ground ball rate, his velocity, his swinging strike rate are all um, heading in the right direction and just shy of his peak level. So I guess if he continues to do this, I don't know. The all-star game, I mean, look, this guy is going to go somewhere because he's a lefty, and that that right there is going to get him sold. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if – That, they, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So, I mean, the Orioles have literally no need for this guy at all. Well, we have the Astros, who um, last year they were interested in trading for Britain. So, I mean, the Orioles backed out of a trade with the Astros at the last minute last year. So we think that the Astros are still interested in Britain. The Yankees, the Astros, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Braves, the Phillies, and the Dodgers are expected to be interested in this guy. So we'll see. Yeah, and whoever doesn't get Zach Britton, I mean – we're talking, obviously, we've brought up Brad Hand a lot. Um, there's not a lot of 
in my opinion, elite options out there after Britain, especially if Han's not there. I mean, there's rumors about Iglesias, but I think the Reds are going to hold on to him. And you start looking, I mean, Kyle Bearclaw, I think, is one of those guys who's kind of the consolation prize for a team that doesn't get in on Britain. Obviously, Juris Familia, he has a pedigree in the postseason, but he's not elite at this point. Um, I think guys, guys like Familia, maybe Joachim Soria, um, Bearclaw, those are the guys that need to wait for those teams need to wait for Zach Britton to go because everyone's in on Britton. Once Britton goes, teams will probably push their attention more to those other not-as-elite-type relievers because those teams will be in more need now that Britton's gone, and they'll have to react, of course, to the team that does get Britton as well. So it's kind of twofold there. Um, the dominoes will start to fall kind of once the main, like the biggest attraction has been traded. So with the Indians, I mean, they're, they have been rumored to want Manny Machado as well. I doubt that. And if they do, then what happens to Jason Kipnis? I don't think that, I mean, obviously, I don't think that Jason Kipnis is a big deal breaker, like as far as whether or well, not. The Indians need outfield help. They really do. So they could move Kipnis to the outfield. They did it last year. They could do it again. I mean, they don't have much play in center field right now. Uh, Chisholm Hall's out. So right right now, their outfield is like Greg Allen and Tyler Naquin and Rajai Davis for their center and right field. So they need outfield help. So moving Kipnis to the outfield would be a good idea. But I actually see them potentially, them and the Seattle Mariners specifically being in play for Adam Jones of the Orioles. I talked to my friend John Garofalo today. He's in Portland, Oregon, and he was talking about the Seattle Mariners. You know, we're, I'm from the, I mean, I lived in the Northwest for quite a lot of years, and I've been a big fan of the Seattle Mariners. Let's talk about them right now, because seriously, I, I mean, they have a chance to get to the playoffs. They're the, I mean, we all know they've gone the longest without making the playoffs of any team in all four major sports, and it's time for them to get to the playoffs. I mean, they have a real shot at getting to the playoffs this year, um, more than any year in the past, I think. And they definitely need uh, a couple of – according to John, he says that he, he believes that they do need a couple of starting pitchers. Um, I, I definitely think they need a couple of starting pitchers. J.A. Happ is rumored. Um, they also might need some catching – a catcher backup. But um, I don't know. They definitely need some starting pitchers. I would think that for Seattle, a guy like Tyson Ross, uh, a guy like Nathan Avaldi, Irvin Santana, those kind of names would make a lot of sense for the for the Mariners from a pitching standpoint. They're, again, there's not any elite guys out there, but Avaldi could help them move into the West in a bigger ballpark. I think that Tyson Ross would be very helpful and useful to them. Um, Here's the thing about them, though. Their pitching staff, their starting pitching staff is full of lefties. The last thing they need is J.A. Happ. I'm sorry, but he just doesn't fit in, even though he's, like, at the top of the rumor trade mill. I really think that he's going to go to a team that has a starting rotation full of righties. Look at the the starting pitching for the Mariners is four lefties. Oh, no, they've got three left. Right now they've got Felix Hernandez is out again, of course. He's a righty. Erasmo Ramirez is out. He's a righty. But they have three lefties other than that. And James Paxton, Marco Gonzalez, and Wade LeBlanc. So I doubt they're going to be investing in a lefty. Uh, so that that gets rid of the whole idea. Yeah, that's why I see a guy like Evaldi, Irvin Santana, or Tyson Ross going to Seattle. Tyson Ross has been uh, so iffy. And if he can't pitch in San Diego, then I don't know where he's going to be able to pitch well. Although Seattle's a good pitcher's park, too. So we'll see about that. 
going back to um, the Mariners, do you think do you think they're going to invest in a catcher with Zunino on the DL? I mean, outside of Wilson Ramos, I'm not really sure there's tons of catcher upgrades out there. And they have competition for Ramos. I mean, obviously, the Astros have been linked to him. The Nationals have been linked to trying to bring him back. I think the Red Sox could even look at a guy like Wilson Ramos. The one weakness in their lineup is the catcher position right now. The Braves... Um... They have a number of wants, obviously, but their big deal is the pitching staff, of course. But they don't really want to trade any of their prospects um, for a rental piece. Like, um, they could use an outfielder. I don't know. What do you think about – what do you think about this? Uh, Ronald The Braves? Yeah, we're talking. Yeah, I don't think they have anywhere to put an outfielder, obviously oh, with Marquez Acuna and uh, and Ciarte, But I do think they could acquire a guy like maybe Mike Moustakis or Manny Machado for third base, and then use uh, one of Camargo or Dansby Swanson at shortstop. Because Camargo, although he is a third baseman right now, can play short. And personally, I like his bat more than I like Swanson's at this point. Now we know that Machado wants to play shortstop, right? I mean, that's his. That that would be his. That would be his choice. Long term, yes, he would like to play shortstop. But I've been saying it for a while. He doesn't really have a choice this year. This year, wherever he goes, he's going to have to play wherever he's told, wherever he's acquired to. Next year, in free agency, entirely up to him. He can go somewhere where he's going to be utilized at shortstop. It could even be part of his contract, whatever it might be. But this season, um, teams need have different needs. Some teams might be acquiring him for short. Some teams might want him at third base and he's pretty much gonna have to play wherever he's told this he is, doesn't really have a choice i mean this is true but in my mind in my world i really think that the team that does acquire machado is going to be a team that actually has an opportunity to sign him i don't see trading away some prospects what he's going to cost for a rental i mean any team that gets him for the rest of this season is is likely to want to sign him long term I agree with that, but again, he's probably still going to go to free agency and test the waters, even if he's given um, an extension offer this season in the offseason before free agency officially starts. I see him testing the waters regardless. So um, I think if you're acquiring him, you have hopes that he fits in well, that he likes it wherever he goes, and that you have the inside edge at signing him. But to me, if you're getting him, you're getting him with the thought of trying to win right now this season and this season alone. So I think the Phillies, this is my favorite. My favorite team to watch right now is the Phillies. You know, I'm a big fan. Um, I don't know what's going on with Michael Franco. I know that he's been really trying to prove that to the Phillies that, you know, it's it's about time. I mean, maybe it takes the prospect of losing his job to get him hitting, but he has been hitting lately. Um, Machado is, like, the biggest rumor to be going, you know, they, they're interested in him. But they, according to John Heyman, they don't feel like they can get him at this point because of the Yankees making their play and, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks are making their play or whatever. Um, they, what Heyman says is that if the Diamondbacks do get Machado, then maybe Nick Ahmed would be a good fit for Philly. Um, Mike Moustakos could be a decent fit for Philly, but this is all dependent upon whether or not they want to get rid of Mikhail Franco, which I don't know if they do. And Adrian Beltre is another one that is rumored to maybe go to Philly. Of course, it's all third baseman, and this is this is going to, you know, with. Mikel Franco is a big question mark. So I, I don't think Beltre's going anywhere. I think that he really wants to play in Texas next year. Um, 
He's got a full no-trade clause. He makes $18 million a year. So to land Beltray is going to cost not only money, but whether or not he wants to go there. Yeah, he is interesting, obviously. I think you brought up Philly. I mean, I think Atlanta can be involved in that. I would say that even technically Cleveland. I mean, if Cleveland's interested in Machado, they obviously would be using him at third base. They could essentially do the same thing in acquiring Beltre, put Beltre at third, Ramirez to second, and Kidness to the outfield. So I wouldn't count Beltre out of maybe going to Cleveland. And now the Devers is on the DL, if I'm not mistaken, for the Red Sox. Maybe Beltre goes back there. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't see that. Although it could, it could be a fit because of um, Devers going on the DL. But with Philly. You know, this is a team that needs a lefty bad. I mean, they have uh, – they their entire rotation is all righties. Their entire bullpen is righties except for one, which is Adam Morgan. And when we had a lady on from The Athletic, the Phillies – What right- about Eduardo Escobar for, for the Phillies? I don't know. I mean, I, I really do think that they're going to be in the market for a lefty. They really need a lefty, but – I don't know. I mean, they haven't had a lefty starter in it, years. I, I find, oh, you're talking about a lefty starter. Yeah, I mean, I think Cole Hamels and Happ, who have both been there, um, would fit in there. But from a from an infield standpoint, third base or shortstop, Eduardo Escobar does hit from the left side. Maybe he's a switch hitter, but obviously, you know, more so from the left side. Obviously, they're going to face more righties. I think he would be a nice fit for them, a lefty bat guy who could play either short or third. And uh, that left side of the infield in Philly is fairly weak, in my opinion. Talking about the Brewers, um, the Brewers with Domingo Santana down in the minors, what do you think the chances of Domingo Santana getting traded? Am I on the right I'm team? Sure, I'm sure if they could do it, they, they would love to do it. Um, it all depends on the team that they're trading with. Obviously, the Phillies will be—I mean, the Brewers will obviously be looking for something specific, middle infield. It looks like shortstop or second base or both. So, if they can find a team that has that, that is willing to, uh, you know, that has a spot for an outfield in need of an outfield, I think that's their perfect fit right there. Um, you look at the Twins. Obviously, we know Dozier going there to the um, Brewers is a hot topic. I think they're also in discussion about maybe both. Um, Escobar and Dozier, the question is, can the Twins benefit from adding an outfielder? And I would say yes. The Brewers have been linked to Chris Archer. Um, I don't. I think this is basically due to the fact that the owners of the Rays and the owner of the Brewers are friends. I don't know if that has a lot to do with it, but that's, that's a rumor that's going around. And Sonny Gray is another uh, rumor to be going, could, could be a decent fit in Milwaukee. They definitely need pitching and a shortstop. So, um, Jake Odorizzi, I don't know about Jake Odorizzi, another, another, um, another player from the Twins, but I know that Jake Odorizzi was drafted by, uh, the Brewers, number 31st overall, and he, he was very excited to go back to Miller Park and start his first game there. So, who knows if he wants to go back or if the Twins are ready to sell him, but the Twins are a team that, have, I think, come to the realization that they need to be sellers and not buyers right now. They, they just haven't panned I out. I agree with that. They're certainly not buyers to me, but I do think if they're going to be trading pitching and starters specifically, I think Lance Lynn and Irvin Santana would make more sense for them to try and trade. More so because I, to, I'm 
could be mistaken. I don't have the contract in front of me. I think Odorizzi still has a number of years of control. I think they only signed Lynn to a one-year contract or a two-year contract, so they're not as bought into him. Um, with Santana, I mean, he hasn't pitched for them this year anyway, and he's certainly not getting any younger. So those would be the guys I would see them trying to trade um, to teams looking for starting pitching would be Lynn and Santana specifically. So Irvin Santana is getting paid $13 million a year. Um, he's on the 60-day DL, so he's useless. Four-year, $55 million, he's going to get paid through next season. So next year, he's he's going to make $14 million. That's quite a That's quite a lot for a dude that's not even pitching right now. Is he that 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 is that that is that is quite a bit of dough? Uh, but when he, I mean, when he has been healthy, and I mean, obviously we can say that about any player. He's always been fairly effective, good innings eater. Um, they do. I know he's. I'm pretty sure he's pitching in the minors right now. So I think he is close to returning, um, and he appears to be at full health. So to me. Um, the investment, that's the problem. The investment for this year would make sense, I think, for a number of teams. But does anyone want to be um, liable for that contract next year and moving forward? I'm not so sure. That's a good point. So the Astros, they're in need of some relief pitching. Uh, they are. We already talked about the fact that they're probably interested in Zach Britton. They also have a really deep farm system. They have um, a couple of players that could definitely be used to get something back that they could use for this year but Kyle Tucker is another one that's questioning like why did they bring him up right now obviously he was just crushing it down in the minor leagues he was just called up though and even though the Astros like him I really think that they might be showcasing him as part of a potential trade Kyle Tucker on the block what do you think I think if it nets them exactly what it is that they want, they'd be willing to do it. If we're just talking about him for one reliever for a rent, like a rental reliever I wouldn't do it if I was them Right. Okay, so moving on from them, the Nationals, did we talk about the Nationals? I don't think we did. We haven't. We talked well, We talked about them as potentially selling Harper, but we haven't talked about them as buyers yet, and um, right now they're certainly buyers. Well, I think that Harper— they need, a starting, they need starting pitching right now. That's what they need. You think so? Starting pitching. I do. Strasburg's still out. Roark and Geo haven't really been cutting it. I don't even remember who um, is starting towards the bottom of their rotation right now. You don't think of them as neat starting pitching, but right now, that's exactly what they could use. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of depth heading into the season. They have Tanner Roark and Hellickson at the bottom of their rotation right now. Uh, definitely think that Bryce Harper, the only reason he's playing first base right now is because of the fact that they have too many outfielders, okay? So... Um, you know, anybody can pretty much play first base, but they also have Daniel Murphy, who uh, is not fully healthy. I mean, literally, he's not healthy 100%. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nationals do. Um, last year, they definitely needed some relief pitching, which they've totally uh, addressed for the first time in a while. Uh, it seems... Well, it's good that they did because now Doolittle's out. And yeah. it's a good thing they got Calvin Herrera, but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to get another reliever with a starter, like an additional starter and an additional reliever. Yeah, it doesn't seem to me that they're trying to trade their outfielders too quickly. Like, I mean, Michael Taylor, um, Adam Eaton, these guys, they they have a, a log jam in the outfield. And the fact that Bryce Harper is playing first base, right? you know, he's he's doing his uh, whatever he's doing at first base, um, that kind of tells me that they're not really into trading any of Juan Soto um Michael Taylor or Eden, I think they're trying to make moves so that they don't have to sell any of those guys and still get them playing time. 
Yeah, well, that's the problem with having the, the crowded outfielder and then and then not having the DH, like in the American League. You know, you can't slide one of them over to DH. Um, also, I mean, I think Harper being able to potentially play first base and outfield does up his value, too. I mean, because there's going to be a number of teams out there that might not need outfield help but might want first base help or vice versa. So it helps the Nationals now, but I think it also helps his value moving forward. I mean, you can take a player who with pretty much no value. Look at Alcides Escobar of the, the Royals who started to play center field a bunch this year because um, he wants to, you know, up his own value moving forward for a team that could use maybe a shortstop, a center fielder, whatever it might be. So the more positions these guys are able to play, and we're obviously seeing that become more of a trend around Major League Baseball, the more value they're going to have. So here's an interesting thing about Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, not that he's owned on many fantasy leagues right now, but it's interesting because during spring training, the Nats were, like, not using Zimmerman in games, and it was because, basically, um, it's hanging on the shower. I'm telling Lenny where his work shirt is because he's got to go man the pool at 1230. Lenny, hanging on the shower. <laughs> okay, so Ryan Zimmerman wasn't really playing in any spring training games, and it was basically their, their excuse for that was that they were trying to, like, um, preserve their older veteran players. And that's what they said, okay? But the reality is that Zimmerman missed almost all of spring training because he had this calf injury, right? He got at-bats on the backfield in simulated games, but in those at-bats, he just, he just got the at-bats, and he did not run at all to first base and he definitely didn't run any bases so um john Heyman was mentioning that how it's a little unusual that this kind of went undetected because other teams were actually like wondering if they should really follow suit what the nationals were doing with their veterans and trying to um basically preserve them that wasn't really the case at all um once the season started, Zimmerman was ready to play, but then, of course, he went down with an oblique injury, and what they're saying is just an oblique injury is actually um, a calf injury and an oblique injury. Um, it, it just, as soon as he started to, like, ramp things up with his oblique, now the calf is acting up again, so this is the calf injury that nobody knew about. I, you know, um, it's inter- it is interesting to me that nobody really noticed the fact that th- there's something else wrong with Zimmerman besides just his oblique, so... Well, there's that, and I mean, prior to last year, this guy was riddled with injuries throughout his entire career. I mean, that's why he was eventually moved over to first base for them. So I'm not super surprised that he's dealing with injuries, and it's not that surprising either when you look at the production he's put up when he has been playing. He hasn't been all that good. The Cubbies have you, Darvish, uncertain. What's up with you, Darvish? Nobody knows. Now, they could be looking for a starting pitcher because of that. I know that they've inquired about Dirk Dietrich. Um, they've also looked into J.A. Happ, but do they have enough to trade to get any of these guys? Like, do they have, they don't have more than the Yankees, that's for sure. Their bullpen's been fine. Um, they still could invest in Zach Britton, though. I mean, Theo Epstein has shown us in the past that he's willing to make any deal that he thinks can help his team win now. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have the prospects to contend in the trades with some of the other teams? No, but there's enough players out there that once those other teams have made their moves, there's still going to be players available to them. So they may not have their first choice of players, but there's there's going to be guys out there. Let's say Hap and Hamels both go. Again, I'm going to bring up a guy like Nathan Evaldi, Tyson Ross. The Cubs could use either one of those guys. The Dodgers are an interesting team because they have such good youngsters to give up, right? So they have Gavin Lux. They have uh, pitcher Dustin May. 
they could be trading both of those guys for Machado, who is their top target right now. John Garofalo, who I was talking to this morning, thinks that he, this guy Machado is definitely going to the Dodgers. I think that they will, that he's going to go to the Diamondbacks, but, uh, John has a point. Okay. So, um, what do you think? What do you, I mean, these are two teams that are rivals to each other in the same division and the Dodgers and the D-backs. It could be one of those situations where one team will get them just because they don't want the other team to get them. Well, of course, there's that. You look at the Yankees and Red Sox situation, you can compare it. Obviously, the rivalry not as deep, but yeah, that's correct. But of course, obviously, both teams really could use him. Um, the Dodgers, I believe, are now in sole possession of first place for the first time, maybe all season long. Um, so they're obviously um, headed in the right direction. But uh, they had a guy like Machado. I think they become the clear-cut favorite in the National League again. I think that they should probably invest. I, I think their needs fall more in the pitching department than uh, the Machado department because Chris Taylor has been perfectly fine since Corey Seager uh, went out and had Tommy John surgery. That is that is fair. Taylor can also play around the uh, the outfield, though. Um, Turner, I mean, he's great, but he has injury concerns as well. I think adding Machado just gives them that he is in there. He's playing shortstop. He's better than Corey Seager is. Um, so they're better. They already get immediately better. It doesn't mean Chris Taylor is going to head to the bench necessarily. It just allows them to use Taylor at second, at short, in the outfield, whatever it might be. And at some point, you got to figure they're going to suffer an injury. I know Puig just went down. Um, Taylor certainly would be a better option than Tolls. Um, you got to figure Matt Kemp, although he's been so great and has been healthy, he could go down at some point. Any I point, mean, <laughs> at yeah, any given time. They, they're with the Dodgers. They can't, they can't go wrong with adding Machado. They'll find a place for Taylor to play. Um, I think with with the D-backs, even if they added Machado, I don't think it guarantees them anything but maybe a playoff spot. Whereas yeah, I think if the Dodgers added Machado. They would not only end up running away with this division, but I think it could be that piece that takes them back to the World Series and potentially actually win it this season. So with the Diamondbacks, I mean, as much as I like the idea of them getting Machado, they definitely need pitching too because look at them. They got Shelby Miller back on the DL. Godley hasn't been good. Ray hasn't been good. The only two pitchers that they have that have been any good are Corbin and Granke, and even those two have their days where they're not so great. So I think that their biggest concern is their pitching, especially with Shelby Miller back on the DL. <laughs> yeah, Shelby, I mean, I, I think that might be a blessing in disguise for them. He was, <laughs> yeah. not, very, he yeah. was not very good. I thought he'd be better. Yeah, Chacha brings up Jones to the Indians. That's what I, that's what I'm feeling, too. They need an outfielder really, really bad, the Indians, especially in center field. I think Adam Jones will be a perfect fit there. But um, back to the Diamondbacks, yeah, they can certainly use starting pitching. I mean, it's it's hard to say no one needs a Machado because everyone could use a Machado, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, we talked about the Yankees. They could use Machado, but they need pitching. I think you are nailed it right on the head there with the Diamondbacks. They could use Machado, absolutely. But I think starting pitching might be uh, more beneficial for them moving forward. Totally. The Giants, okay. Well, uh, what do you think the Giants are going to do? Are they buyers or sellers? 
I think right now they're going to be buyers. I mean, they invested in these trade chips in the offseason. Um, I think they're going to try and go for it. You look at them right now, I think they could use another outfielder. I think they could use a relief pitcher. I see a guy like Corey Dickerson of the Pirates maybe being a very good fit with the Giants or uh, Dietrich as well. The Giants are already over the payroll threshold, so it's not going to make a big difference. One thing that the, I mean, the Yankees, like I said, they're going to get under this tax threshold for the first time maybe ever. So they have to be very careful about who they decide. Although, uh, for some reason, did the, okay, their payroll, it, it's 178 million, 178 million. To me, that seems like it went down since the last time I checked because last time I checked, they were like 8 million away from hitting the tax threshold. Right now, it looks like they're like, way more than that away so they have a lot more room to wiggle around did they get rid of somebody recently uh who who are we on now sorry i got distracted by the by the chat (laughs) it's okay the yankees but like the yankees that looks like their payroll is at 178 million um last time i checked the yankees i'm all season i've been checking the yankees payroll and they were like eight million away from hitting the tax threshold and it doesn't seem like they're even close now did they get rid of somebody or did they get rid of some payroll or what um not to my knowledge that they've really gotten rid of anybody um I believe that they just – I mean I know in the offseason they unloaded like Chase Headley and a number of other fairly bad contracts. But this season at least, no, they pretty much have the uh, the same the same team um, going into the season that they, <clears throat> that they do now. You know um, what? They only own – for next year, they only – they're only on, on the hook for $86 million next year. The Yankees, can you imagine? I mean literally they're going to have their payroll dropped in, in – chopped in half. Yeah, until they until they sign one or two big time free agents. Right. Okay, punk. Whatever. I'm sending all the bad players to the Yankees. That's all there is to it. That's it. Okay. Let's talk. So you think that the Giants are going to be buyers? They got. I mean, I don't know what they're going to need. An outfielder, a relief pitcher. I think they could use both. I think they could use a reliever, and I think they could certainly use an outfielder again. I like. Um, I like. Sinshu Chu potentially going to the Giants. I like um, Corey Dickerson potentially going to the Giants. I think they could use a nice left-handed bat in the outfield. Um, someone like Chu who can get on base. Someone like Dickerson who can hit for average. Just a little bit of power as well. I think both those guys would be good additions. And I know Derek Dietrich is also an option. And he has the positional eligibility too to play in the infield, to go to the outfield. He's another left-handed hitter. So I think any of those three guys could be very good fits for the Giants. So Chu is an interesting uh, player that um, they say that, I mean, Texas has said that they are willing to pay down some of his remaining salary in a trade, right? Right? But this guy's gotten on base. He's got – I don't know if he's hit or reached base in 48 games straight now. And that's a that's a, a record for the Rangers. Yeah, it's, it's the on um, – it's an on-base percentage streak, yeah. So um, they did say that they would be willing to pay some of his salary for the right player back. Um, sorry about these dogs barking. Hello. Let me shut the window. Okay. Um they say that they're going to trade Austin Jackson. I don't know who the hell wants Austin Jackson, but let's talk about the Mets for a minute because you know they're top. They're 
and I mean the rumors are huge for them. They are willing to trade and listen to any to trade offers for any player. That includes uh, Syndergaard and Degrom. Although we don't really think that there's any team that's that serious or that's willing to give up enough to get either one of those two pitchers. They're saying that the bigger uh, um, the the chances here of those two going are quite slim. The the more the players with the bigger chances of getting traded is Zach Wheeler, of course. And you know what? That's a shame because we're talking about a lack of legitimate starting pitchers out there um, on the trade market, someone who can actually be a difference maker. And those are really the only two guys is Thor and DeGrom. And I really don't see either of them being moved. I mean, if I'm the Mets, I would be doing a complete teardown. And I'm sorry to all the Mets fans out there, but maybe you agree with me. Um, they need a complete teardown. They need to completely revamp what's going on with their organization. Um, they're also not really in a position to do much over the next few years because the Phillies are on the rise. The Braves are on the rise. The Nationals are still going to be good. I mean, if there's a time to do it for the Mets, it is now. Well, yeah, it's not like they have a big choice here. They they. They definitely will. I mean, definitely. It's nothing's definite, but I think that they will get rid of a Strubel Cabrera. And if they do, for those of you in any kind of dynasty leagues or keeper leagues, there's a guy named Jeff McNeil. Um, so he's 26 years old. He's a little bit of a, a late bloomer, but they do say that he has um, some potential. He's batted 346 with a 417 on base percentage um, and 18 home runs and 336 plate appearances. He's that's between double and triple A this season. So if they do get rid of Cabrera, which they think they will, this guy could be called up and could be useful for the rest of the season in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, it's all about playing time and opportunity when it comes to fantasy value. As long as um, as long as they're in the majors, in the lineup pretty much every day, uh, there's, there's going to there's gonna be a certain fantasy value for sure. Stupid Cespedes. I just can't stand this guy this year, okay? So yesterday I'm reading and it says, Cespedes is willing to play first base. Okay, that's fine if he was even playing at all, but he's not playing. They, they said that he's making progress, but he's nowhere near running the bases or coming back. So what the hell kind of progress is he making? Is he making progress like eating hot dogs or what's his progress in? Because it's definitely not in returning to baseball. Uh, yeah, he doesn't seem to have any uh, inclination to want to play right now. And I'm not sure if that's not wanting to play with the Mets or not wanting, <laughs> yeah. not wanting to care in general. Yeah, well, Lenny thinks that it's, he doesn't want to play with the Mets. Well, that's too bad because you're the one that signed the contract with them, and it doesn't matter how bad the team is, you still get paid. So get your ass out there and play. I mean, come on. I love Wilmer Flores. I love uh, putting him in my team in the daily game. He used Can to... I ask you a question about Cespedes? Go ahead. So I know the talent's there. We know how good he can be. But when you see him do, as other organizations, other GMs, when you see him pulling this crap, he's pulling with the Mets, do you even want to add a player like that to your to your organization, to your clubhouse? I mean, to me, he would be more of a distraction, if, if anything. And I'm not saying he won't find a job when and if he is done with the Mets, but that's got to be a deterrent. I don't know. I mean, they said that... I, if I remember correctly, when he was with Oakland, uh, they were saying that he had some work ethic issues back then. And, of course, the Mets are the team that decided to go pay him the big bucks. I doubt a team is going to pay him the big bucks again um, just because – and I don't know. Maybe a new fit, a new place, a new a new place to call home would be good, a contending team. Maybe he'll try a little harder. But he's not going anywhere at this point because he's not even close to returning to baseball. Uh, maybe Michael Conforto will go. 
but there's going to be a huge price tag on him too. Yeah, he's going to cost a lot. And, um, it wasn't just in Oakland. I mean, the, I mean, the Red Sox got Cespedes from the A's, traded him very quickly, if I'm not mistaken, to the Tigers. And then when the Tigers were selling, they traded him away too. So, I mean, he's been on a number of different teams and really hasn't found a, a good home anywhere. And the only reason why he got that contract from the Mets, obviously, is the crazy second half of postseason he had for them that one half a year that he was there. I mean, uh, overall, I think he's been a big disappointment for the Mets outside of that season. And, I mean, maybe the odd nice hot streak here and there. What the hell? I didn't even know that he played for Boston. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I believe he was the piece that went for John Lester when the A's got Lester. Okay, right. So Familia is definitely one that could go, but he's a righty, so I don't see him being that popular either. Um, so they just recently let back in, um, God, who was it that's playing for the Mets? But he was, uh, he was actually uh, banned for life from baseball after his third positive, you know, PED test. And he's been out of the game for a couple years now, and they actually let him back in. They decided that they would let him back into baseball. It's weird because I don't – he's the first one to get the the um, suspended and banned for life, right, from the third positive PED test. He's the first player. Now, I don't really know what precedent you're setting here when you accept a guy back after you've banned him for life. But it's not a good one, and it's basically saying that we'll still allow you to come back to baseball if you're young enough to play in a couple years. It's like, you know, life without parole, but with a chance of parole like so that. it's not a permanent ban. It is a it is a, um, it's, it's a few years type of ban. I mean, if they're going to continue to ban Pete Rose, they should continue to ban whoever cheats and performs anti-drugs, too. Yeah, I mean, there's one other guy. I know that there was total of three that were banned for life from baseball but this is the first one based on peds um obviously pete rose was banned for life for gambling but um i definitely think adam jones will go somewhere and i think that whatever team gets adam jones is going to be a winner because adam jones is an excellent clubhouse guy he is an excellent player an underrated player in fantasy always has been not an elite defensive center fielder anymore in my opinion but still a very good outfielder um, hits for a relatively high average, can hit anywhere in the lineup, will drive in runs, and maybe going to another team, getting some some kind of new life injected into, into him could bring out those power numbers. And at the same time, we know guys go through slumps. At the same time, he could be one of those guys that could hit, you know, eight home runs in, you know, a two, three-week span if he gets hot. So um, the Angels are, I think, probably the last team. I, I'm not sure, but I do want to talk about the Angels real quick. The Angels poor. I mean, they just really um, – I think that after Garrett Richards now uh, has to go under Tommy John surgery, that he – that they, the Angels have to accept the fact that they are not going anywhere. And they might as well get Shohei Otani up in there too and some Tommy John because it's not going away. Garrett Richards is a good example of – I'm a big fan of stem cell treatment and therapy. I am a huge fan of what stem cells can do, and I think that it's going to be a great future for what we can achieve as far as healing our bodies with the use of stem cells. However, Garrett Richards decided that he was not going to undergo Tommy John surgery. He was going to try the stem cell therapy, and he did try it, and it worked out fine. I just traded for Garrett Richards. Also, here's the <laughs> Meckard is the one. Maybe that's why he's not coming to chat lately, because he's he's like, oh, shit, I better not go there. Garrett Richards. Now, Garrett Richards, um, just the latest and the greatest to go down with needing Tommy John. When you have an injury to your UCL, 
It's just a matter of time before you need Tommy John surgery. And that's the bottom line. There is no way around it. You're going to need it eventually. I mean, Irvin Santana is one. Masahiro Tanaka is another one that have not had to go under the knife, okay, yet. But they will. They guaranteed they will eventually. These two are like the exceptions of the rule. Garrett Richards was going to be I the... I agree with you, and that's probably why Andy Tanaka didn't end up opting out this offseason either. Oh, hell no. He's not opting out. Are you kidding me? And not only well, that... Yeah, he... No, he had the option this past offseason to opt out and go for a new contract, but I think um, for him, it made the most sense to stay, get the money, because he knows he's one pitch away from needing to go under the knife. This guy was not going to opt out from day one, okay? Just think about it. I mean, he's only ever lived in New York City. He's only ever been in New York. That's really his home. Being not used to the language, the our social norms, you know, that's a big thing that you, you can't really, like, put it into numbers, but it's a serious thing. And with Tanaka trying to opt out of that contract, that would have just been stupid. Nobody's going to pay him any more than he's already making per season. Okay. And I got to tell you, I don't feel as bad for you about Garrett Richards because I acquired Paxton a couple weeks ago and um, yeah, thought, well, thought thought it was going to be like the final nail in the coffin in uh, taking down my AL only pool. And oh, now, I have to, now I have to think about trying to trade him because he has keeper value. It's an auction league. He's a relatively good price. I have to think about maybe trading him and trying to bring in somebody else. You're not doing to, that right now. Ben, well, someone could be interested in this price tag for next year is what I'm saying. Nobody but, is going to give you what you can, you know, you cannot trade Paxton right now. You have to wait and pray that he, this guy is not going to end up like he has every other time he's been hurt. But they're saying as of now that this is not too serious, okay? That's what they're saying. So you have to hope. You can't sell Paxton. You definitely can't sell him in a dynasty league. I mean, he's worth way more to you right now than he – that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's um, it's like a deep – it's a deep auction keeper league. So you can keep like 12 players. Um and I mean, I think he's going to be like twenty-three bucks next year or something in like the last year of his five-year contract type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, to me, if it's going to be a long-term injury this season, I would need to try and get rid of him to someone who wants him for the future, for next year. But for um, for these purposes, again, I think I said it earlier on with the All-Star break coming up. If it's not too serious, hopefully he's back within that first full week after the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, it's good timing for Paxton owners. Do not do anything with this guy. But back to the Angels. Now, we have to start thinking about this because it can't be all coincidence that the Angels have had now Garrett Richards, Andrew Haney, Tyler Skaggs, Tropiano, J.C. Ramirez, Kenyon Middleton, Blake Wood, and John Lamb all have to get Tommy John surgery in the past three years. Now, Otani is going to need it, too, so you might as well throw him in there with that. Um... And, and even though um, these other three pitchers, like Alex Mayer, Nate Smith, and Matt Shoemaker, they didn't get Tommy John, but they have had to undergo surgery since they've been with the Angels in, in the past three years. Yeah, there's certainly there's certainly a Tommy John situation going over there <laughs> with the Angels. It's either the fact that they're doing something wrong with their pitching management and their pitching um routines and regimens they should probably call up trevor bauer trevor bauer has this stuff all figured out scientifically mind you and this i'm going to use as an opportunity to brag about trevor bauer and how good he's doing yeah trevor bauer is something special and he's not even getting as much love as he should be getting with regards to al Cy Young and all that stuff but my question with the angels is i still don't think trout's not going anywhere at this moment no one's going to take on Pujols. would they potentially trade a guy like justin upton though 
And everybody's up for sale, you know, at the right price. But I think that the Angels, it's time to start looking at the Angels as absolute sellers. Mike Trout is another interesting one because, so the Angels are at that spot where they're like right about to hit the tax threshold too, right? With what they have right now. He's a free agent in 2021. He's getting paid $35 million, about $35 million a year through 2020. So that's really not that much longer. And I mean, then what are they going to do with Otani? I mean, come on. You got Otani too. They can't just... They can't just tear down their whole system. They got Otani, so they might as well keep Trout. And if they keep Trout, they're already stuck with Pujols, so they got to keep Pujols. Justin Upton, they might as well keep him too, right? Maybe they're just going to sell, like, little pieces. I mean, the problem for the Angels is, obviously, the A's are playing good baseball. They're on the rise. Seattle's still a great team, and Houston's going to be good for a while. So even for let's say for this year they're not going to leapfrog the A's likely and they're certainly not going to leapfrog the Mariners so they're not going anywhere this year moving forward who knows what's going to be with Garrett Richards who knows what's going to be with Otani Pools obviously continues to get older and older I mean as much as you want to compete and try and have a winner with Mike Trout the window continues to close and at some point if you don't think you're going to be able to keep this guy kind of forever, um, it might not be a terrible idea to trade Upton, to trade Trout, to trade all their pieces and start a rebuild maybe around Shohei Otani. What about the Marlins? It's kind of hard to just forget about the podcast and get it over Bearclaw, with and not talk about them. Bearclaw, Bohr, Castro, um, it doesn't seem – yes, but do, do you get the same idea that I've been reading about other people's perspective too that you kind of get the feeling that they're just reluctant to trade anybody or give anybody away? Like they've said that they've had talks with about JT Real Muto who is like probably one of the better pieces available – I mean that should be available in baseball. Real Muto is if not the best catcher, you know, close to it. But the conversation close to it. They, and that's funny. You would think the Marlins would be willing to trade anybody based on the offseason trades they made with Stanton, Ozuna, Yelich, and Gordon. I mean, I'm not sure. We don't know exactly how that's going to work out for them, how everyone's going to come up through the, the minor leagues, all that kind of stuff. But I think that it was the no best. No one thought it, they got a good package, really, for any of those players. No, I think that their package, their prize was to get rid of the salary. And I will tell you right now that they're going to be looking like the Smarties when uh, Stanton goes down. And uh, I, this has to be based on salary. JT Real Muto is probably under, you know, control for the next few years. That basically the conversations about him have been like really short, according to what I've been reading. And then Drew Steckenrider, they don't want to trade him or Bearclaw. These two relievers that could obviously find a home and people want them. But it just seems like Miami is just not either they're not good at making deals or they don't really like negotiating too much because they're just not trying that hard to get rid of these guys. Maybe it's one of their tactics. Maybe they think it's like reverse psychology. It's like you can't have these guys. So teams come knocking down the door even more trying to overpay. Well, I don't think – I don't know. Good luck to them on that one. Kind of like, you know, I don't know. Good luck on that. So with that, I think we I should... understand. I understand why they'd be a little reluctant with Real Muto. But with a, to me, teams that have good bullpen pieces that aren't competing should be trading those good bullpen pieces because what is a good bullpen – if you're only winning 65 games a year. They're actually better than we thought they were. They're better than the Mets, okay? So yeah, no, they're, 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 playing, they're playing better than people expected, but 
Bearclaw and Steckenrider aren't really going to help them win in the next three to five years. But, but they, they can certainly help other teams win in the next three to five years, not to mention bring in a haul of other players that can help the Marlins long term. So to me, not trading either one of those guys would be a big mistake. Or Brad Ziegler. I mean, these guys are not prospects. These guys are like at the end of their careers and not at the beginning of the year. I don't know about Steckenrider, but Bearclaw's been around for a while, and Ziegler definitely been around for a while. Starlin Castro, though, you don't hear much about him. He, you know, do you remember when he was bitching on the Cubbies about how he wanted to be traded to a team that was a contender? He was just pissy about that for right before he did get traded and right before the uh, Cubbies win the World Series. And he must have just been livid about that. He did get to go to the Yankees for a while, right, though? So, But you don't hear him bitching about wanting to be moved. No, you don't. And... Um... Uh, to be to be honest, um, I'm looking around. Obviously, there are teams that could use middle infield, use a second baseman, but there's a lot of options out there with regards to those positions right now. And, he can play shortstop um, too, didn't he? He, used to he play... could play shortstop, but he was a liability there. Oh, um, he's he, he's not he's not much of a defender. Okay. At, uh, at short at this point, um, I I kind of surprised that his name isn't floating out there a little more. I do think that team could be interested in acquiring a guy like that. He obviously has good bat to ball skills, put the ball in play, has some pop. Um, but he's one of those guys that could be stuck with the Marlins until he's eligible to uh, hit free agency again. We are doing our premiere episode of our uh, first and goal football podcast, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. So that will be a lot of fun, myself and my co-host, Mike Strome. So I'll be reminding everyone in the chat room sometime next week about that. Last night we had Fantasy Gurus Anonymous. It's Patrick and his brother, um, Daniel, and their friend, Bill. They did a really good uh, football podcast. They went through team by team, and they talked about the different value players that you could get on your team, the players that they're going to be uh, rostering this year in football. Um, it's actually the show. I know you were there for a little while chatting with them, but we're going to have another show tonight. We'll be airing that at 7 o'clock for the Fantasy Gurus Anonymous and hope to see you guys there because that'll be yes, fun. Yes, be there. They're very, very entertaining guys. On Tuesdays, we're going to be doing uh, divisional previews, then leading that into player rankings and then throughout the season. We're going to have two shows, one on the weekend previewing all the games, DFS stuff, betting advice, all that, fantasy advice, and then our Tuesday show is going to be kind of become a recap of all that stuff and waiver wire and all that. So we'll have two shows that are kind of connected. Um, so there's going to be a lot more football, I think, this year with us and with Patrick and all those guys coming. Um, everyone will be able to get their football fixed, especially once the baseball season is over. Although baseball season really never ends here, Andy. Never. Not really. No, it never ends here because Lenny and I are always doing something baseball like when after the world series happens and then we go to arizona and right then we're starting talking baseball so yeah football and baseball lots more football than we had last year um but at that i'll leave it i'll leave it be and um have a great day and a great weekend everybody take care everybody